0: I'm so glad you're here with us today because we have a phenomenal guest, Yoram Bin. Ron is an e-commerce entrepreneur, growth coach, and industrial engineer with a passion for helping businesses succeed. Born and raised in Israel, Ron has served in the Israeli Special Forces as a search and rescue operator before pursuing a career in entrepreneurship. In addition to his professional pursuits, Ron is also passionate about stoic philosophy, personal development, and bodybuilding. With the track record of bootstrapping and scaling seven-figure e-commerce stores while traveling the world, Ron is a wealth of experience to share with us. Thank you so much for being here today, Ron. It is such a pleasure to have you. And I would love for you to just dive into your journey, how you got here today, and then we'll go a little bit deeper.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. And we already had like a, a short discussion, and I'm sure it's going to be a very uh, insightful and interesting conversation. Um, a little bit about me. So my journey starts, I guess, after I served in the special forces in the army. You know, I'm Israeli. But you probably realize based on my accent that I'm Israeli. So in Israel, everybody, when they finish the high school, they, they enlist to the army. And I wanted to like um, test my skills. So I enlisted to one of the Israeli special forces, one of the special units. And after four years, I, I went traveling in South America. And uh, Later on, like I worked as a bodyguard in northern Mexico, and the traveling bug kind of bit me, and I realized that uh, I like traveling the world and I like seeing different cultures. Um, but it, it just it was just an idea, and then I started studying. I, I studied the industrial engineering, and as soon as I finished uh, my degree, my wife and I we both uh, finished our degrees in the same year, and mind you, it was a bit late because when in Israel you do you start a degree when you're a bit older so I was already like 28 years old and we decided to go traveling in Southeast Asia and we were traveling on one of the beaches in Thailand and we said okay we must come up with a plan to come back here as soon as possible we can't enter uh, the rat race we can't uh, go back to work in Israel and just uh, live like uh, a nine to five uh, life so that being said, we started out uh, working in a nine to five job, both of us. And uh, I was working in a media buying agency. I was spending approximately like $1 million on a monthly basis uh, on Facebook ads. And I realized it wasn't, it wasn't so exciting. And I didn't feel that there was an upside or a downside. Um, and luckily, I met a childhood friend of mine for like a cup of beer in, in Tel Aviv. And he showed me like a Shopify screenshot from his uh, dropshipping store. And he told me that he started a store and he was making money like as a side gig. Mm-hmm. And until that point, I thought that dropshipping was like just BS that gurus are selling, like in order to sell courses, but nobody is really making money. <laughs> um, but it was like a childhood friend of mine. And he like kind of laid out the system and told me exactly his method. And the morning after, my wife and I, we decided to build a, a, a store. And that same evening, we probably got really lucky. We we were able to make like our, our first sale. And this is when we realized, okay, we can make money online. Let's try to build something here. Um, so we kind of exper- explored this a uh, uh, media buying and dropshipping and e-commerce. And we both kept on working like in the nine to five jobs. And at the evening, we kind of built this side hustle. And after two years of consistently seeing profits and actually the profits from the side hustle were higher than our salaries, we decided to quit. And in 2019, we we took this business online and we left Israel and we started traveling the world. We flew to Thailand, like mission accomplished, quote unquote. (laughs) Uh, And since then, we've been doing a lot of different online marketing initiatives, mainly focused on on e-commerce, but not only. Um, And that's it in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) I love it. And I I love the diversity, too, and just how it really flowed into what you truly wanted and made it happen. And I'm really Mm -hmm. curious, being in the Israeli Special Forces as well, how did that experience shape your approach to entrepreneurship and business success?
1: Great question. Very interesting one. Uh, it's very hard to attribute what specifically, but I think that one of the things that I didn't like in the army was having a commander and having someone boss me around and giving me uh, instructions. Yeah. So I think that was very impactful in a in a negative uh, in a negative uh, way. And I I never liked obeying, but in the army I had to obey. Uh, but I think this really like made my mind shift towards the fact that I need to be like my my own boss
0: yeah no that's so true because a lot of times I've heard this from so many entrepreneurs and myself I don't really like to be told what to do I want to do it on my own and like when I somebody tells me I'll do it but I'm very stubborn about it because I have my own ideas about it and I, I love that you were able to listen to that. It was a guide of there's something more or something different and going in a different direction. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's so interesting because I think a lot of entrepreneurs listening or soon to be entrepreneurs are in that nine to five job and wanting to move out. How did you balance and integrate both working full time, you and your wife, and then also working on the side, on your side hustle and your side business?
1: Yes, This is also a great question. I think the transition phase is the most challenging phase because everybody and people approach me and they want me to teach them dropshipping or e-commerce or marketing um, and they are all stuck in the transition. They say, okay, I'm working this nine to five and I get home, I'm too tired to start working on my own stuff. Um, And I, I can definitely relate. So what I did was a bit kind of a hack. I just came to work did my stuff very very fast and while i was what while i was in the office i i tried to like build my store i don't know if it's so uh, you know legal quote unquote but this is the way i i did it. and we realized that we need to sacrifice so during the weekends uh, we we worked a lot on the business and we make made it a point not to like waste time on watching tv series or or we mainly focused on, on getting this side hustle like building this because we knew it's a sacrifice that will eventually um turn out to be like a good investment
0: yes absolutely and that that's a part of it right that sacrifice mm-hmm. of something more like you have to give up a little bit for now so you can have that abundant life and be able to go to thailand and whenever you want and mission accomplished and you know part of that is building once you've started to build how did Or what were some of the challenges that you faced when you were scaling your e-comm stores? And how did you overcome that?
1: I just want to add like something regarding the the sacrifice. There is one quote uh, by Jordan Peterson that I heard uh, a while ago, and it really impacted me. So he basically goes about and he says that you will sacrifice sooner or later, you will sacrifice. So it makes more sense to sacrifice early then sacrifice when it's not by based on your choice. Because at the end of the day, you need to sacrifice something. So with either you proactively choose or you just shit hit the fan and then you need to sacrifice. So this was very impactful, uh, at least for me. So I wanted to share this.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that because I, I do agree that's so spot on where you are sacrificing other things later on if you don't sacrifice mm-hmm. now. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like I sacrificed a lot when I was getting my doctorate because I was like knowing Okay, when I get this done, I never have to do it again, and all the other sacrifices that everybody's making on a day-to-day basis—it's for something bigger, greater. But you have to choose Mm -hmm. your hard, basically.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I'm also not sure that I like choosing the term "sacrifice" is so beneficial. I mean, if we Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. enter the linguistic, uh, you know, if we very want to be like very precise, so it's more like investing. You need to invest upfront in order to uh, reap the rewards later.
0: Yes, I like the reframe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and re- regarding a question, I mean, we, we we met a lot of obstacles and most very often these podcasts they seem as if like I, I said mission ac- accomplished and I did like quote unquote because it's not it's not as if we arrived to like a, a, a certain destination or it's not as if it was easy. There were like many obstacles along the way. I can't even count. Um, but I think as time goes by, you're, you 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 come a bit more resilient. To obstacles so let's say at the beginning uh if one of our Facebook ads campaign went like kind of crazy and it blew out like two 200 uh, 2000k went down the drain just on Facebook ads it didn't work you know so back in the days it was like for me like a big you know devastating but as this happened once and when it happened the second time I already was like more more prepared for this so a lot of technical stuff like this, Um, And many, like it's also, we used to work together, my wife and I, so also a lot of challenges with regards to balancing balancing the relationship with the business, who's in charge of what, uh, how we make a distinction between the business and our like personal life. So there are a lot of challenges um, and and lessons learned. If you want me to elaborate about one thing specific or I'm happy to elaborate.
0: Yes, please.
1: There are so many instances in which I I, I was like um, surprised in a bad way, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I remember once we, we had friends came over and we were hosting like a, let's say a party, like 10 people. And I was checking my phone and I saw that we, by mistake, we paid twice to the supplier. So it was about like 10K US dollars that we paid instead of 5K. So in the middle of like the party, I had to go down, try to call the supplier in China. It was very stressful because back in the days, five k meant a lot for us. So it was like calling the supplier in China, then asking my wife to come and help. Um, but then at the end of the day, we were made. We were we managed to pull it off. I mean, to to get, grab hold of this supplier, and when this was solved, we realized it's was a lot about perspective and proportions keeping proportions because at the end of the day if you build a business relationship with someone who is trustworthy and you should only build businesses a business relationship with trustworthy people so the likelihood of of you of you uh, of your downside is is pretty small so i realized that i i made a good choice by working with this uh, supplier and I need to trust people more and if I don't trust them in these like edge cases I shouldn't work with them at all. So this was just an example of of a challenge and and a lesson that le- a lesson I learned regarding trusting people and choosing your business partners.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's a very good lesson because you have to be really careful of who you trust but also it just takes so much of the headache away or frustrations if you don't trust somebody because you're building this relationship, especially mm-hmm. when money's involved or clients or in, in different capacities, but when we take that step back and realize our circle is so important and really just vetting people too of the mm-hmm. connection you have but also everybody has good intentions too and I think that's like the bottom line always.
1: yeah for sure. I agree. We
0: can get some bad apples sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of people listening to with being a digital nomad, a lot of people Mm -hmm. see this lifestyle online and things like that, what that really looks like. But I'm curious, how were you able to successfully with scaling your e-commerce business and the challenges you face while being in a nomadic lifestyle as well? How did you kind of navigate that?
1: This is an interesting question because it has like many aspects to this. First of all, when we just started doing like the digital nomad thing, we had a lot of misconceptions regarding uh, digital nomad. So digital nomad, nomadism is a very broad concept and everybody approaches it differently. So we specifically, we didn't like hopping around very often. We liked arriving to a certain city and staying there for like three months or four months, just exploring, you know, more of creating um, a daily routine instead of traveling around so with this regards digital nomad lifestyle wasn't so different uh, than if we stayed in tel aviv yeah. so this is one thing i wanted to clarify and the other thing is the fact that there is actually a downside uh, an upside to leaving your hometown because um, then a lot you don't have as many obligations as you used to have
0: yeah. so
1: let's say uh, let's say social gatherings less family obligations i'm not saying that i don't like my family or don't love my family i do love my family and love going to like celebrating uh, holidays and and tradition is important but on the other hand there are a lot of obligations that let's face it most of us don't like going to like the birthday of the cousin of your great great you know so a lot of oblig so a lot of free uh, we actually realized it it freed up a lot of time for us and from uh, the routine perspective, it took a lot of effort in, in planning the week correctly and, and making sure that we don't invest too much time in planning the next base and going into Airbnb and researching. So we, we try to make a big distinction between the work life and like the traveling life. And so this is what worked for us. But I, I know a lot of friends of mine that completely mix them both. And it really depends on your preferences, I guess.
0: Yeah. No, that's very true. And I was just even thinking about what you're saying about family obligations. We love our families, of course, but Mm -hmm. there is a certain aspect of expecting to be there or having to be there when you live Mm -hmm. there, because I know I left Florida and it it shifted my world when I moved to California and now Colorado. But I think part of that is to Sometimes we don't talk about that, but it's very present Mm -hmm. in our lives. But I love that you found what worked for you and your wife too. And because everybody Mm -hmm. is different, and it's just figuring out, okay, three to four months you get to travel, but it's also that work life integration. It's not separate entities because you have to find Mm -hmm. that common ground for yourselves and also be able to be working efficiently at the same time. And I'm curious because I know part of the e commerce store and things that people have common mistakes about or ideas about. What are the, some common mistakes that e-commerce store owners tend to make and how can they be avoided?
1: Also a great question. So this really depends on the level of the e-commerce uh, store owner. So a lot of beginners, uh, I think the most common misconception is the fact that it's easy.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: it, is, it is easy. I mean, I, always, I often say the barrier to entry the e-commerce game, especially if you're dropshipping, is very low. But because the barrier to entry is very low, the barrier to success is very high because there is a lot of competition and it's a very crowded game. I call it a game. Um, So I I often see uh, people who are aspiring to be like e-commerce entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. um, assuming that because it's easy from a technical perspective to set up a store, they assume that they can just enter the game and without no uh, knowledge or money investments, they can succeed. And I think that if you don't have like at least 5k to invest and two or three hours on a daily basis to invest in the business, you're not ready yet. Basically, obviously, it depends on the context. If you have like a marketing experience, you know uh, there are disclaimers need to be said. But in general, if you don't have at least 5k uh, set aside for, as an investment and and at least two or three hours on a daily basis I think you're not ready to start this yet and obviously there are outliers people can succeed I mean we we saw success after like spending only 600 bucks but it was also a combination of luck and also the fact that I was already doing media buying like very high budgets so I already had some sort of an idea of Facebook ads
0: yeah, and that's an important part too, because a lot of people, we talk about this a lot on here. There's no overnight success, but you're building upon skill sets you already had to mm. surpass somebody who's brand new and has never experienced it. So I'm really glad you brought that up. And that's incredible that you started with $600 and now where it is today. It's just so it's an amazing accomplishment, but it's putting in the work. And mm. I know part of what you do is all about automation how do you approach growth hacking through automation? Can you share like an example of what automation techniques had significant growth for your business?
1: Sure, yeah. So one of the things, it's kind of, it it goes back to the question that you asked me previously. So one of the things that kind of was my note and style back in the days was freedom. Let's say freedom. I don't even know what is freedom, but I kind of (laughs) aim towards freedom. Um, And and an e-commerce business is very... It can be very free, uh, freeing up it, it can free a lot of your time because if you hire the right people and you delegate a lot of aspects can be delegated and can be automated so i i never liked managing people and I, but there is also a lot a lot of stuff that i don't like doing so I, this is why i delegated a lot of stuff and then i realized okay if i don't enjoy managing people so often and there is stuff that i don't like doing so I should find a, a different uh, way to solve this because something needs to get done. So this is this is why I ran I went down the rabbit hole of automation. So mostly using uh, softwares, integrating different softwares together, and writing some code just to make processes more efficient and effective. Um, maybe uh, an example that comes to mind, which is also related to one of the failures or obstacles that we had. So I think it was like about three years ago. Um, we were spending approximately five, five k on, on a daily basis for on Facebook ads, mm-hmm. and the Shopify checkout of our store broke. So this means that we spent a five k and nobody was able to buy. <laughs> so this c- kind of troubled me. So I I couldn't sleep for a few days. Obviously, we, we solved this, but I was anxious that it will happen again. So I just created a simple automation which kind of checked the results in the website on an hourly basis, and if the conversion rates—I mean the amount of people entering the website uh, and buying—was too too low, it called my phone, uh, even if it was in the middle of the night, just notifying me: "Listen, the conversion rate drops. Something is wrong. Go and fix it." So this is just a small automation that I built, you know, to to help me sleep better at night. Uh, (laughs) avoiding any you know uh, if if there is like uh, any big issues with the website
0: That's really good and important too because i mean sleep is the number one health thing we can do for for ourselves but i'm sure just the anxiety or not even anxiety that's the wrong word Mm -hmm. to use but just the energy around what you're feeling Mm -hmm. when you're just you want your business to thrive but also you don't want money to just go be going anywhere it needs to be directed and funneled the right way and Mm -hmm. even with i know a big part of what you do is the facebook ads and i'm just curious when it comes to small business owners and small businesses in general what are some mm-hmm. of the key strategies you recommend for utilizing Facebook ads, email marketing, and conversion rate optimization that you just mentioned, but to achieve growth?
1: I think that the most important realization as a marketer uh, for me was the fact that, and I'm not the first one who said it, basically Socrates said it uh, two, ha- 2,000 years ago, I realized that I don't know anything. So Socrates said he, he knows that he doesn't know.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: as a marketer, I, I've i Done so many split tests in which I assumed I had an hypothesis that something would work better and it didn't. And Mm -hmm. I I was so often wrong. So I realized that everything needs to be tested. And I'm very, I'm very strict about how I view data. And I think this is the most important thing that a marketer or an e-commerce entrepreneur can do. Be very strict about data and try to be as objective as possible regarding your performance. And I would tie this down to the fact that every, everybody's business is different and context matters a lot. So there are a lot of Facebook gurus that give you, give you like different methods the tactics that may, might be working for them. But nobody really knows what is working in Facebook ads because it's, it's a black box and the algorithm changes all the time. And it's very context dependent. So I wouldn't blindly follow anybody and i would test everything and and see the numbers track the numbers and see what works for your business i think this is the like the most important lesson that i've learned and try to like cultivate uh, in my the way i run my business
0: mm. I love the transparency too, because it is about testing. Like I've only done Facebook mm-hmm. ads once when I first started my business years ago and I mm-hmm. had to do a lot of split testing, but it is a process. And because mm-hmm. people are like, well, throw money at it. Well, you have to actually have a strategy in place and you're right. Every single exactly. business is different and each graphic or each thing that you're testing going to be different too. So I love that you kind of focus in on it. It's not a one size fits all. It's really trusting what's going to work for your business and not just kind of throwing money at something that you don't even know if it's going to stick as well mm-hmm. or for being sure. promised something that isn't being fulfilled.
1: Sorry for interrupting. I mean, there is this quote that I like by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he said that... Uh, Uh, Principles, uh, methods are many, but principles are few. And the man that follows principles, I don't exactly, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says that principles are important, but methods, there are many. And if you know the principles, this is what you should stick to. So I try to find the principles that work for me and for my business, but methods need to be tested all the time. I, I, I just wanted to emphasize this because it's not that I'm saying that gurus or professionals, they don't give good advice. They good they give good principles. You should observe what they are telling and, and teaching, but on the other hand, you need to test on your own because this is the most important principle, basically.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. And principles are the foundation piece, right? Because mm-hmm. people are telling you something, but at that core value and where you are practicing on a day-to-day basis and being productive for your business, but also for your overall well-being. So, what are some productivity tips or tricks that have helped you manage your time? as an entrepreneur?
1: This is a great question. I think it kind of ties back to what I just said. I think tracking religiously is the most important thing that I, I do. And I, I highly recommend people doing this as well. If you choose like two specific APIs or goals, let's say you want to lose weight or let's say you want to make more money. The moment, I, at least for me, it's, it's kind of like magic. The moment I start tracking the most important things on a daily basis, and I know exactly uh, where I'm standing at each moment, things it improve. It's like magic. And on the other hand, the moment I start drifting and I start not to track, I kind of, I, I see results declining. And then I I often arrive to a certain point in which I don't want to track anymore because I'm afraid of, lo- of watching the weight, you know, just as an example. And this is like the most dangerous part because from here on, you're just drifting. It's like a, a, a snowball of shit. Uh, Sorry for being blunt. So this is why you should track on it. I I mean, for me, tracking is very, very, very important. I don't know if it necessarily, if I should call it a productivity tip, but I think this is very, it's also very productive just to track because you want to make sure that you're, you know, um, on plan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of just knowing where your energy and time is going too. Even mm-hmm. just kind of going back to what you said, living that digital nomad life as well, tracking, okay, well, three to four months is our time frame in one place. And then knowing, okay, that's how we work best versus we're going to travel every month or once a mm-hmm. year. But being able to have that balance within what works best for you. And I think that's why it's important to know where our energy is going and how we can be productive within our means. I agree. <laughs> and you know I know you talk a lot about the power of quiz funnels can you explain yeah. the power of quiz funnels in driving yeah, customer sure. engagement and conversions
1: some people are not aware of the fact that uh, after the ios 14.5 update uh, there are a lot of privacy related changes uh, it, it was a, an update that ios uh, apple introduced that kind of changed a lot of privacy related matters and since then um the big ad platforms were unable to track as as well as before the customer's behavior. Hmm. So this is why, so let's say, for example, in 2020, before the iOS update, Facebook knew exactly what, let's say you sent a, a customer from a Facebook ad to your store, they could tell exactly what he was doing. And they had a lot of data about him. Now that the update was introduced, they had less data and the results in, in these the Facebook ads or different platforms were kind of not as good. So this is why um, quiz funnels and segmentation based on what customers declare about themselves has become, in my opinion, very, very important. So uh, we can see it becoming more and more popular. Customers landing on, potential customers land on a page and then they are being asked a lot of Question regarding their preferences and their, what they would like to buy. And after you get the data as a business owner, it's very easy to offer them solutions to what they need specifically. So it can be via email, via SMS, or just remarketing to them via Facebook ads. But the thing is, based using quiz funnels, you know more about your customers and what would they like to achieve and their goals so this is why I'm a big, uh, big advocate of, of, quiz, of quiz funnels.
0: Yes, no, because we haven't really talked about that on here. So it's like we have to dive mm-hmm. into that because I do feel like they're very powerful. I don't know mm-hmm. as much about it as you do, but I do know just from what I've heard and your experience too, I think is really mm-hmm. important. And how have you utilized that in your business? How have you seen it show up? effectively.
1: So uh, we, we ran a split test we have also like a, a course in which we sell to Israeli people regarding like uh, online marketing and, and we combine also philosophy um, and uh, a lot of uh, some of the things that we believe are important for entrepreneurs and we did a split test in which we um, drove traffic to like a landing page with information and the other uh, variation of the split test was a quiz. And people who filled out the quiz also gave us a better idea regarding the people that actually came to our funnel. And they also, more of them, completed the quiz because it it, it was somewhat engaging. Um, and then it was easier for us to give them a call and try to uh, sell them or convert them because we already knew more about them. We knew their objections. We knew their goals. So basically, uh, this quiz funnel allowed us to collect uh, data about our prospects.
0: Thank you for sharing that too. It's Absolutely. cool to see that process as well. And, you know, I want to go back to what we were talking about earlier of just the investment piece in ourselves, in our business, mm-hmm. and how it takes time to build something great and building assets within our income wise and everything along those lines. But why do you believe it's crucial to focus on building assets rather than solely pursuing an immediate income? Like, how has your mindset shifted from your own journey of entrepreneurship?
1: This is also a great question. There is no right and wrong. It really depends on on context. But I, I think that at the end of the day, uh, it makes a lot of sense to to think long term because um, I believe that the most important assets that we have is our reputation. And more often than not, if we focus on making money fast, we might do some initiatives that might harm our reputation. And reputation is. Very hard to repair, so this is this is one aspect why I think it's very important to have a long-term thinking because because you want to make sure that you're doing things that are ethical and won't harm your reputation from a very capitalistic standpoint. And never mind, it's obviously also better for you as a human being, I guess. But I'm not judging. Uh, and also the fact that if you build an asset at the end of the day. It, 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 the value grows uh, exponentially, hopefully, or at least uh, linearly. Um, and while you just build a cash cow, um, which we've did, we, we did this mistake while we were dropshipping. So it's awesome while it's working, but the moment it stopped, it stopped working, it's a very, um, we won't use the word anxious because you corrected me before. Uh, it I was a great myself. correction. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it's a shitty day when the cash cow stops working. And um, uh, so I think it's, I wouldn't say it's a waste of of time to build a cash core because sometimes you just need fast cash, um, but always have the fact, I mean, always have in mind the fact that if you're not building an asset, you're not building an asset, which is, I mean, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I appreciate that because I do think it is, going back to having that idea of what you're looking for to the future when it's not immediate. Of course, we need to pay bills, other things. We need money to live in that regard. But it is energy. If you can start building that, it can pay off so much more long-term being able to know where everything is going. And it just goes back to like time and energy too. It's money Mm -hmm. as well. All of that combined will give you the vehicle of where you need to go, where you need to be spending your time. Even you mentioned Earlier, when instead of watching TV series, you were working on your business on the weekends and evenings to really build it because you knew what you do now is going to benefit you later. Yeah, for sure. And I know you lo- use a lot of different products, digital products in particular. How have you leveraged digital products to improve your business metrics as well as revenue, customer retention, and lead generation?
1: So I think business uh, digital products are uh, a great tool that is. Um, in some verticals, it's underutilized. I mm-hmm. mean, in the coaching game and, and high-ticket coaching, it's very often used and utilized. So people are using like, uh, digital products, let's say, uh, lead magnets, ebooks, uh, stuff like this very often, and it's, it's a good thing. But in e-commerce game, I don't see it uh, often enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, it's overlooked. Because the good thing about um, digital products is that they, they are scalable and they don't have cost of reproduction. Basically, you, you create them once and then uh, you can just generate money. So it's kind of an asset. And I believe that we used to se- we, we used to sell in our dropshipping sh- drop store, actually. We supplemented, we just offered as an upsell uh, a digital product that was relevant to our target audience. Uh, and we sold it for very cheap, for like 10 bucks but even though the conversion was pretty low, so let's say only 10% of the buyers bought this uh, product, uh, it increased the AOV by one or $2, which is significant. I mean, it depends, but it might be significant. So I think in the e-commerce game, um, it's very often overlooked and it's also a great tool just to give more to your customers and over deliver and keep them in your network and make them happy and uh, uh, equip them with more knowledge And I think um, e-commerce store owners and e-commerce entrepreneurs are very focused on the product, on the physical products. And it makes sense, Mm -hmm. but this is why I'm kind of advocating for also opening your mind and broadening the horizons and, and kind of adding this layer of digital products to your store.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's really important. And it just gives it a different perspective too of how mm-hmm. it can really help in so many different aspects of your business because it, I don't think it is talked about enough or if it is, I'm not hearing about it. So mm-hmm. it could be that too. <laughs> but I'm glad we're talking about it. And based off your journey, because you've had a lot of experience as an entrepreneur now, what have what would you say are your top two tips for entrepreneurs listening right now that they would need to know?
1: Great question. I, I I'm wondering if I should bring up new... Stuff that I already mentioned before, because I think that the important thing is tracking,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which I i said. Mm-hmm. And um like another layer on tracking is finding someone to hold you accountable. So I have a friend of mine, which I actually meant in a, in a mastermind of entrepreneurs, and we report to each other on a daily basis regarding our weight and regarding uh, our goals. And he knows that if I'm not on, I mean, just the fact that he and I, I need to report to him holds me uh, accountable. And I think this is very powerful. Or uh, back in the days, I competed in, in a bodybuilding show and, mm-hmm. and I wanted to compete for many, many years. But until I didn't hire a coach, I couldn't make the progress. Once I hired the coach,
0: mm-hmm.
1: setting aside the fact that he equipped me with knowledge, just the fact that I had to report to him was so beneficial. So I realized accountability is so crucial. So if I need to distill my tips is tracking and having someone holding you accountable to your tracking.
0: Yes, I love it. It goes so seamless together because it is about tracking and you know where you need to go, what you need to do next. And it gives you that roadmap, but also mm-hmm. the accountability piece. You're right. When you have somebody else checking in on you or having you hold yourself to account- accountability, but also a standard, mm-hmm. it changes everything. Because, I mean, sure. a lot of us are self-disciplined, but there's just like a little extra there when somebody's holding you accountable. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so many different things change. But I've been loving this conversation, Ron. Where can people find you? Use your services. We're going to link everything below, but if you could let us know too.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Caroline. I really enjoyed it. You asked great great questions. And where can people find me? So I'm mostly active on LinkedIn. And they can just look up Yaron Bin. Y-A-R-O-N-B. E, double, double n you'll probably share the the, the mm-hmm. show notes i mean the links in the show notes and people can also look for my podcast which is called ecomx factor um yeah it's pretty easy i mean my name is pretty unique so if people google my name they will find it yes. uh, no issues with that
0: Awesome. Well, Ron, it's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for just coming on, sharing all your wisdom around just automation, digital marketing, as well as the Facebook ads and everything else that you shared today. I know it's going to be so helpful for so many entrepreneurs listening, take some of the headache out too. If you're lost, you have a little bit more of a roadmap now of tracking. (laughs) Thank you so much. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was your biggest takeaway from Ron today? I'm sure he would love to see that and we will see you on the next episode.